Um, today, uh, uh, I've chosen to read out of Isaiah 53, 1 through 9. Uh, uh, I'll just read it right away. So, uh, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and, and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that or he carried and our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment from his own sins. Yet it was our, but we, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid his life, laid on him the sins of, our, of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Like He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was laid, or led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down from, for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and yet he had... And he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried, buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. So, uh, I apologize, I'm kind of nervous. But uh, So, as it says in the first few verses, Jesus didn't come to be a king, didn't come to, he came humbly, he didn't come to completely destroy his enemies and show them who's boss. And uh, he came meekly and uh, he was just just here to to show us how to live and uh, he carried our weaknesses and our sorrows, and uh, he really came for us. And he was beaten and crushed for our sins, not, not that he had ever done anything wrong. Um, we strayed away, and he took all our sins up. And uh, kind of as it says, I like what it says in verse 7, how he was silent before, like a, sh a sheep before the shears. Um, uh, he... He really took up everything and never said a word. And um, all in all, he came here and we rejected and denied him, but he never denied us. So all in all, I really think that uh, this life can be really tough, hard, and unfair. Jesus did it without question. So we should continue to push through, and it may be tough, but we're fighting for what's right. So don't care what others think, and just keep on pushing. It's all worth it. And just because you come to Trump some trials in your life, don't quit. Keep going. Thank you. So I will be reading from 1 Peter 2, verse 21 to 25 today. It says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds and have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So 
As it says, we're called to be Christ-like because he suffered for us, giving us the ultimate example of what we need to do. We, it says that he was, that he committed no sin and no deceit came from his mouth. And that should be how we live, no matter how hard it is. Um, and it says that, and that's just showing us how we should live. We need to keep strong and stay away from sin and that no deceit or anything wrong comes out of our mouths. It also says he was, uh, how he was treated is how we may or may or have been treated in the past. With him being, with him suffering and her, people hurling insults at him. But we want to react as Jesus did without the retaliation, without making threats. That's not the way he was, that's not the way we're supposed to be. He trusted God completely, the one who judges justly. And that's how we need to be. We need to set aside our worries and trust God completely and realize that he's the one that will ultimately judge us. He's the one that matters the most. He bore our sins. Um, He was blameless. And so he took our sins so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. So he, he died just so that we can have a relationship with him. And that's a lot compared to what it was with having to sacrifice a lamb and having to be completely blameless that way and only through a priest this way, we can completely have a relationship with him and that we can live um, a life of righteousness, a life that can glorify God. He did what he did so we could be made clean. That's the biggest thing. We were sheep who were lost, but we have returned to our shepherd, the one who watches us always, who loves us to no end. No matter what we do, as long as we repent and love him, he loves us back. So overall, we are called to be Christ-like, to sacrifice everything of the world and trust God, the judge who judges justly. For Jesus gave himself for us so that we may live for him. Thank you. Sorry, I have to hold it in my hand. Um, I will be reading from Ephesians 2, um, uh, verses 1 to 10. Uh, from the NLT, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But... God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and has seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God can point point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is not a gift from God. Salvation is, is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. So when I initially saw the list of things, this uh, list of passages we could choose from, I immediately jumped to Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 10, just because not only am I familiar with it, I think it's something really straightforward, and it's almost like the elevator pitch for the gospel. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's really great how it, it goes... Uh, from the before 
to what happened and to the after. And I think it's a really great summary of not just the gospel, but also, um, you know, why, why, if someone asks why you're a Christian, you can point to this first and say, this is, this is what I believe, this is who I am, this is why I am the way that I am. So again, it starts in chapter one saying, we were dead to our sins, we were just like the rest of the world, we chose to be disobedient to God, and we chose, you know, to succumb to the different temptations and throws in our life, and you know, we chose to avoid those things, and then the Bible throws in the B word like it always does, it says, but... God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, and that's in verse 4, that even though we were dead, um, he chose to raise us to life through Christ, his son. And I think that's something that's so key, and sometimes we, we kind of miss, and something we might sleep on sometimes. It's even though we were this, but God came in, and through Jesus we can, you know, we can be saved, and, you know, we can live a life, you know, free from temptation, and with, you know, with supplements to, you know, persevere trials. And not just that. So I feel like a lot of times as Christians, sometimes, you know, we, we, we get to the point where we understand, yes, we were saved through Christ Jesus. But at this point, um, it's not, it doesn't just stop there with, at the cross. It keeps going further. And later on, it says um, in verse 10, oh, sorry. Uh, verse 7, sorry. It says, so God can point us to us in all future ages as examples of, his, of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. So in this, you know, it's not just, you know, being saved. It's also about, you know, living a faith-based life and, you know, being an example of those around you. So not just so you can live your life and be saved. So God can say, look at my servant, look at my servant, you know, uh, John or Jesse or whoever, whoever you might be. God can say, look at my servant, look at what he's done and look how richly he's been blessed through this gift of grace I've offered. And so um, it's really great how this pastor of scripture doesn't just, you know, doesn't just start and end, it, you know, it starts, it, you know, go, follows all the way through, you know, you know, what the gospel really is, and, you know, it, it doesn't just say, uh, it doesn't just stop at the cross, it keeps going, and, you know, it kind of, um, it's like the elevator pitch I was talking about, how, you know, it's just a really quick, awesome summary of the gospel, and what it has to offer for us, and, you know, what our mission is as Christians. Thank you. So, I'm going to be reading from Titus 3, 1 to 8. So, it says, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true hum humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through Holy, the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, we declared us, us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So just for some background on this, uh, Paul wrote this book to Titus, advising him in his responsibility of supervising the churches uh, on the island of Crete. So as believers, we know that our first allegiance is to God, but this allegiance does not mean that we can disobey the laws that are set by our government. No matter how much we disagree with the laws put in place by our political leaders, we must respect those laws unless they go against the truths of God, God's word. 
Verse 2 speaks about being gentle and showing true humility towards everyone. Paul gives us a clear definition of humility in Romans 12.3. It reads, Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So often we only think of being humble in one way, not being prideful about ourselves. But humility goes two ways. When we project negative worth on ourselves, we are also not being humble. And as I was preparing for this, and me and my mom talked about this first, she shared how when she was younger, they thought if they wore conservative clothes, that was a form of being humble. But with the definition Paul gives us, they were not truly showing hum- humility. To truly be humble, we must honestly evaluate our character and accomplishments, not being boastful, but also not thinking too little of ourselves. Evaluating ourselves by worldly standards of success and achievement can cause us to lose sight of our true value in God's eyes. Then Paul reminds us of who we once were before God our Savior revealed his kindness and love. We were slaves to the sins of this world. People think freedom means being able to do whatever they want, but really this just leads to a slavish addiction to sensual gratification. So they are not free, but a slave to this addiction. Jesus is the only one who can free us from this sin. He does not save us because we earned or deserved it. It is a gift. In this passage, all three members of the Trinity are involved in this tremendous gift. Paul shows each member's involvement in verses 4 to 6. God our Savior planned for his son to die for us. Jesus came down to earth to bring this plan to fruition by obeying his Father in heaven. And God sends his Holy Spirit down to live in us and give us eternal life. Verse 5 talks about our sins being washed away. This is symbolized by baptism. In becoming a Christian, we acknowledge Christ as our Lord and we repent of our sins. We have a new life through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. God generously poured out the Spirit on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And in the last verse, Paul stresses the importance of doing good. Although the works we do will not save us or increase God's love for us, they are indications of our faith and love for Christ. This part of discipleship is not optional. As Christians, we must be involved. Every single one of us has been given a gift from God. We must use that gift he has given us to glorify him. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to be reading from Romans 3, verse 9 to 24. If you could please turn there. It starts with, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scripture says, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are.
But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as we promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glory standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. At the beginning, most of us can relate to it because we may think that we are better than certain people, but in reality, all of us do sin. And the only difference is that some people will admit their sins and ask for forgiveness from God. And then back in verse 18, it states, they have no fear of God at all. And I feel that we in ways feel like that too, by not worrying about what is happening and thinking, oh, I can just ask for forgiveness and then I'm good. The fact is, we should not feel that way because God is in control of our lives and if we make bad decisions, he can punish us and he will. And it won't be a punishment you like. And for that, we should forever be scared of God and repent the things we do wrong and praise him forever and ever. And at the end, from verse 21 to 24, it talks about how Jesus took the punishment upon himself so that all of us could be saved. Even though we are sinners and we all fall short of God's standards, he loves us and always will love. This just shows the kind of master that we serve. And in conclusion, I just want to say that Paul started by saying that these people are all sinners and not righteous, wise, They've turned away from God, they don't do good, and more things they do, they didn't do wrong. But then he ended it by saying that it doesn't matter because Christ has paid the price so that we can be saved and we'll go to heaven with him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for bringing everyone here today, and I just want to thank you for all the people that have helped with the service and I pray that it went really well, and I just want to pray for the picnic after. I pray that that'll be a really big turnout, and I just want to pray for the music team as they sing their last song. In Jesus' name, amen.